0: and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies.
1: Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture.
2: Join us over a cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna.
0: I'm Kat Dwyer.
2: And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench. Hello, how you guys doing? Good. So good, man. Good. I'm doing phenomenally well. We have a lot that happened last week. I know. uh, Henning, you have, well, you're a new uncle. Yes. that's That's about the best news probably of the month. It was so special
1: meeting that little guy. It was, oh my gosh. Getting to hold him. I held him the longest out of my family, mostly because I was last in line to hold him, and then no one... Just like wanted to take another shift, so they just let me keep holding him, and it was amazing.
2: That is so special. What
1: is his name? His name is Michael David Henning. It's, a, it's kind of a mashup of his parents' names. So my brother's name is David, and his, his mother's name, my sister-in-law, her name is Michaela. So they called him Michael David Henning, and it's very good. It's so good. Beautiful.
0: It's a strong name.
1: Congratulations to David and Michaela. He's going to be, he's going to be something someday soon.
0: Henning, you will be bonded with that little kiddo because you were there when he was born. And I can't quite explain it, but there's, there really is a unique bond that's formed when you hold a baby for the first time, as opposed to meeting them even just like six months later. Like it carries on. Yeah. That's what
1: I I, found. I I held him. I held him for the first time on his third day being out in the world. That's so cool. And it was so special. Um, I yeah. I literally had a moment with him where I just, I teared up a little bit, fam. Good. It was so, it was so <laughs> special. I just, I have, I have almost no words for it. It was just like, man, this, this little guy is related to me. And it, like you, you hold him and you just sense all that potential in another
2: human life. It's so, it's so good. That's I'm cute. smiling. That's very nice. <laughs> yes. There's so much potential in little humans. I love it. Well, and you, you braved the cold and the snow to oh my. get up to Helena and, and do this, you know, family reunion.
1: A drive that's normally three and a half hours was six and a half hours getting home. Oh, man. And it was miserable. <laughs> the worst road conditions.
2: Well, you were out, um, Braving the cold, I think I stayed in all weekend and just kind of chilled and drank hot beverages. Yeah. Well, I guess we, Kat and I, did go out on Saturday night yes. and got a drink and it was really cold out. Yes. But
0: $15 Negronis.
2: <laughs> mm, Yikes. What a disaster. <laughs> Sorry. How much? That's
0: <laughs> 15 And I got two. That's a lot.
2: Yo. And, <laughs> then, Jeez. and then we went
0: to the Crystal.
2: Oh, and then we had $2.50. Gin and tonics right and it was beautiful <laughs> there <laughs> you go much better <laughs> there you go
0: yeah <laughs> what
1: what is the what is the the restaurant and bar scene like in Bozeman
2: with uh covid nineteen waxed to say the least yeah. really there was oh, hugging and kissing and dancing and wow and and partying at least at the crystal, yeah. and I kind of expected nothing less
0: yeah <laughs> by the time we left the crystal. You know, they they called last call and were encouraging everyone to get the hell out. and right. I, everyone just kind of <laughs> left without bothering to put their masks back on, because honestly, at that point it was like it, it doesn't really make any sense, but <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: but yeah, uh, everywhere else, I mean, the restaurant, people are pretty like they'll they wear their mask in and then they'll put the mask on before they go to the bathroom. Yeah, there's just mm. a few places: the Hoff Brown and <laughs> the Scoop. And the, the crystal <laughs> that are the Wild West. I, the Molly's pretty strict. Are they really? They're, they're very much like you have to wear a mask to order a beer, oh. everything like that. And that's unusual for the Bermuda. Yeah. It's probably why it's up for sale.
0: I thought the scoop was up for sale.
2: I thought it was the Molly. Maybe it is a scoop.
0: I, th- I heard it was a scoop. Mm, yeah.
2: for a I lot if of money. Both $10 million. Sale, dollars. That would be what? embarrassing.
0: Are you serious? Yeah. That's insane. That is a lot of money. Nothing else can go into that corner lot though, other than a bar. Right. Right. Like what business would want to be right there?
2: No clue. It would be, right? it would be unacceptable. Yeah.
0: Anyway,
1: you could do, but you was, could do a coffee bar. How's that? new an another coffee shop for Bozeman.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's what you need. Bozeman doesn't need it. there's so many here already.
1: <laughs> yeah. Billings just keeps going with coffee shops too, man. It's so weird. The, uh, the thing here in Billings, though, is a drive through coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not just, like, the kiosk-style, like, mountain mud or whatever. Like, full-on, like, Mazevo, what used to be off the leaf, has a drive through at one of its locations. And uh, I hear tell of some other shops that are actually building new locations with drive-thrus uh,
2: in the next year. hmm it's wild. What Bozeman really needs is to get rid of any open container laws, and then I can open a <laughs> cocktail food truck.
0: Oh, there you go.
3: And
2: just do like <laughs> three or four cocktails every night that just are easy to just quickly serve. And then as people are walking around, they can, you know, in their plastic cup, have a cocktail. Mm. I like it. Yeah. I think that, mm. would be, I think that could definitely work. There's a lot that would have to go into that. Yeah. You could do it somewhere cool if you got outdoor space. Yeah, right? Like post up at a
1: neato park or something?
2: Yes. Have like a bunch of bocce ball set up and (laughs) lawn games and just let people drink cocktails. Do you, as the food truck, provide the lawn games as well? Yeah, it would be like the attraction. Instead of like parking downtown, Uh, I'd I'd be, you know, if there was no open container law, you'd drink in the park.
1: Yeah, it's like the like sip and sip wine and paint shops, but you're like the, the sip and croquet or whatever.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: I like that exactly. I feel like I feel like one of the things that would have to be built in, like it would have to be one of those vans where you have to blow a breathalyzer in order for the ignition to turn over to start the start the vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: would be a responsible business owner, and I would. Well, of course you would, but it would be would, so would hard to drink on my nights working. It would be so get hard to immediately yeah. divorce yourself. <laughs> the ideal is that it's actually a bus and there's like a small section oh, in the front of the bus. Party bus. That's dishing out cocktails. Right. And then for a little extra, I can drive people home. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Jeez. How there do you, you secure come. all the bottles while, for while you're driving around? Um, I don't know. I could make like a cool bar that has maybe like little Drilled holes in it so they sit down in little slots, so they can't tip anywhere. Mm. Yeah, he's thought that, of everything. Yeah, that would do it.
1: That, <laughs> but when you're building, when you're cutting those slots, you have to be thinking of a very specific liquor to drop into that spot, so that it's yeah. A snug Everyone fit. would have its
2: own its own little cubby.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, no, what am I saying? That I, I would be using all cheap. Well liquor so they're all like the same size
1: yeah. or they're all in plastic <laughs> bottles and they fall over and they still don't break right exactly right. that's exactly what i
2: would do well we instead go. of cheap gross well liquor that i'm distributing to the masses we're, we're uh you know per usual drinking a cocktail tonight well i've got to be honest i don't know if you can consider this a cocktail but we're we are drinking hot toddies. Mm. You know, it's winters here. It's nice friends. this week. It, <laughs> it's warming up this week, the sun's shining, so I kind of missed my opportunity. But last week, Henning actually sent us a text and he said, you know what, with the weather changing, we should do a hot toddy. And lo and behold, here we are. So I uh, last week decided let's do a hot toddy. It'd be perfect. It's kind of getting that season where you sit down, sip on a hot drink, read a book. It can be alcoholic. It doesn't have to be coffee or tea. But uh, when I was diving into the history, uh, there's no history. <laughs> what? Straight <laughs> up. Everywhere no I looked at had two sentences of, of history. What? It's just always existed. It's just, uh, yes, it's <laughs> just been around forever. It comes from an old toddy, is some ancient word that means like a tea or mixture. It might be Indian traditionally. So the best I could find is that they think that the hot toddy as we know it now originates from scotland where predominantly the women were not a fan of scotch so to mask the peat and smoke of the scotch they decided to add honey and spices Mm. with hot water and turn it into like you know a more bearable Mm. experience which is sacrilegious (laughs) to to henning and i why would you mask the scotch but it, it, depen- is, it, uh, is again, it is. It is de-
1: It uh, it does depend on the scotch, for my delicious specific <laughs> scotch that's in the room with me. No, 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 no. You can't. You uh, can't.
2: L- can I have a uh, what Henning is drinking tonight for one thousand?
1: As always, I am sipping a delicious glass of Lagavulin scotch whiskey, sixteen year old. Doubled or nothing. That one. <laughs> Neat. Yeah, you should. What is Lagavulin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 16 year scotch, a classic. This is what I drink every episode. Well, I can't say that cuz 50% of the episodes that are released so far, I drink a beer on one. So I broke that streak. <laughs> There's but I was there are no hard feelings uh, you there. You can you can give me that. I was traveling and I wasn't traveling
2: just with my whiskey. Well, we work with what we have. Indeed. Now before we move on, just because this is kind of a brief, a brief kind of segment, the nice thing about hot toddies and why I love them so much is how easy they are and how many different flavors you can add to them. So tonight Kat and I are drinking just two parts whiskey, one part honey, and then I squeezed about half a lemon in a mug, threw a couple of cloves, a little bit of anisette and a cinnamon stick, filled it up oh. with water, gave it a spin.
0: And they're in fabulous mugs.
2: They're very cool little glaze. Of course, rare they are. Mugs. Of course. Shout out they to my are. roommates. Yes.
1: This is perfect like adult terracotta. winter drinking. Yes.
2: <laughs> but you can do a toddy in so many different ways. I love to add ginger to mine sometimes. Mm. I've on occasion put some turmeric root in. Ooh, that'd be good. Oh. Um really good. It gives it like an earthy an earthy flavor. Mm. You know, if if you want, you can leave out the honey. You can leave out the spices. You can leave out the water and just have yourself a knife glass of whiskey.
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, but you can't leave out the whiskey. Otherwise, you're just drinking tea. Right.
1: And then you're just drinking air and there's no use in that. Break. Okay, what what's a good low to middle price whiskey that you would
2: recommend for hot toddies? Well, I've got three options right off the top of my head. Well, of course you do. If you want probably the most versatile bottle of whiskey that I can think of. You can use it in any cocktail. You can use it in a hot toddy. You could sip it by itself, which I definitely have camping. is I think it's old granddad Kentucky bourbon whiskey. I think it's, at least in Montana, which is on the more expensive end of liquor prices, yeah. is $22 a bottle. 20 to $22. That is not bad at all. No, not at all. If you want to move up a little bit, something that I would sip and, and do sip, I would go with an Elijah Craig small batch. It's probably about $30 to $32 a bottle. Smooth, caramely, not a lot of spice. Really good for old fashions and something like a Scofflaw, which I'll present sometime soon. Mm. I love that cocktail. Yeah. Uh, it, it goes well with things that have sweeter syrups and ingredients like that. And then the third option if you want a whiskey that you could substitute for rye as well, I would go with a Four Roses small batch, probably about $35 a bottle on the high end or the high price. Wow. And it's uh, a little sharper. It's It's got more peppery spice to it, more like I would attribute to a rye. And I really like using that bourbon for Manhattan's anything that has citrus or a little more spirit forward because it's got that nice spice to it i don't like sipping that one as much because it's a bit harsh but oh, okay. those are three it's a good mixing solid options that will not break the bank nice
1: and uh if you're interested in my lagavulin 16 you're looking at roughly 130 to 150 dollars a bottle
2: that is the price <laughs> that
1: we pay this is the price of divine heaven my friends
0: worth every penny it is it
2: absolutely <laughs> is yes you know when we're eventually sponsored by lagavulin yeah and yeah hopefully lafroy i'm oh. sure that they'll send me a bottle of lafroy 30 and oh oof i cannot oh. wait
1: that's so old i bet that's so good
2: i've heard nothing but incredible things
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy
2: yes i'm into it and uh i'm kind of thinking here with toddies you know i said i'd put turmeric and ginger in it sometimes i bet you could do a pumpkin toddy maybe throw some roasted pumpkin in there or shake it with some puree and then strain it i'm thinking that wouldn't be bad honestly some honey cinnamon pumpkin whiskey espresso steamed milk yeah a lot of sugar
1: pumpkin spice (laughs) latte with whiskey (laughs) There's the good version that Torna suggested, and then there's Starbucks. And there's the basic
3: version. That, the okay. basic version. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. On the days Starbucks won't kick it, and you just need some alcohol. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: In fact, just go to Starbucks, order your pumpkin spice latte, and spike it with whiskey. Yes.
2: <laughs> hey, not while driving. Don't, right. don't knock. But like, bring it to work, <laughs> and definitely before you walk in, throw a, a couple splashes in there of that good stuff. Oh go. yeah, yeah. That's that's like throwing a shot or two of vodka in your Sprite from the gas
1: station before you go into work. <laughs> that's the move right there. <laughs> Oof. I've never done that. I for the didn't record, know that was I a have thing. to make that clear. <laughs> that you have done that? You nope, have not done nope, that? Nope, I have never done that. Nope. <laughs> like we established. I can applaud you for that. Like we've established, I have been a very responsible drinker my entire life. Yes. <laughs> and it sounds like I'm Wonderful. saying that sarcastically.
2: <laughs> but I'm not. It's just true. I believe it. Well, the pumpkin's fitting because I guess we've got Halloween coming up this weekend. Spooky. Right. And... I Actually, know. we're releasing on Halloween day. What's up? That's right. Holy moly, we are. are you guys, happy Halloween. Are you guys happy, dressing up a at all? It's
0: full moon tonight.
2: <gasps> yes. So happy Halloween, friends. Yeah. Are you
1: guys dressing up at all? Do you celebrate Halloween classically? I
2: don't have a costume, but there are people that are coming to my house for the uh, Halloween party.
0: I'm coming to your house and I don't have a costume either. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> there you go. So I might dress up as like the host and oh, you know, open you the door like and be that. like, I Just am. Just dress
1: up as a bartender and serve drinks. Yeah, exactly. Just some <laughs> cocktails. There you so go. I'm
2: hoping to make Cat. a spooky punch with some dry ice in it. And mm. I kind of pushed off all the other stuff I like and, that. and said, okay, you can use my house. <clears throat> y- you can do the decorating. And I'll just be here and serve alcohol. There you go. I was going
0: to bring some sort of, like, themed meal. Okay. Something easily shareable. That's great. Something with Latin origins. I love it. We'll see.
2: Yeah.
1: Sounds good. (laughs) Kat, you could just show up in costume as local podcast celebrity. (laughs) Yeah. I got you set, see? I'm so good at costumes, you guys. There you go. Every Halloween, I dress like I normally dress, and then I just put one of those, like, convention hall like name tags on my chest and just put a different name. So like <laughs> so this year I'm going as Hank. And there you go. So like when him. we go to our our small <laughs> Halloween party this year, I'm just showing up as Hank. So when people ask me who I am, I just say I'm Hank. This is <laughs> my this cousin, is my thing every year. <laughs>
0: I, I think that's brilliant, Henning. And my cousin Sam A few years ago, he found an old bowling shirt with an embroidered name in it that said Tom. And so that was who he was for Halloween. (laughs) He was just Tom. That's so
1: good. I'm Tom the Bowler. Nice to meet you. What are you? Freaking Garfield the Cat? Like, my costume was a thrift store. buy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) No, if we're talking about going as a bowler for Halloween... It would be so fun to go as the main character from Kingpin.
0: I haven't seen it. You haven't seen the
3: It's a hilarious movie. I have to leave you hanging on that one. I haven't seen it either.
2: (laughs) And uh, he's just this guy. He's a bowler. He's got a fake hand. And so when he's bowling, like one time he loses his fake hand while he's bowling because he bowls with his hand (laughs) that's missing.
0: (laughs) We could all just go as famous bowlers throughout cinema history. I could be Walter from The Big Lebowski.
2: Oh.
3: He's an
0: I icon thought, of okay. mine. It,
1: you stole my saying, one bowling reference. I'm <laughs>
0: oh, sorry. That's my only bowling no, we're reference all. all no, I'll,
1: I'll, be, I'll be Tom Haverford for that one episode of Parks and Rec where he bowls like, like by launching it between his legs. <laughs> <Yeah. That's, laughs> I had to come up with that one on the fly because Kat stole Big oh. Lebowski from me. Damn it.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm not going to lie though. I thought you were. Meaning like actual real professional bowlers.
1: I don't know. And any. I was thinking
2: if someone Not. had a gun to my head right now and asked me to name one professional bowler, I'd be toast.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah me
2: too. <laughs> that would
1: be that. I could accept my fate there. Like, wait, you want me to be the nerdiest person? <laughs> Kill me. I'd rather die. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm
2: Hank. So happy Halloween. There's only a handful of people coming over, but I think two of them are dressing up as Founding Fathers as inspired by Hamilton. My friend group is oddly obsessed with Hamilton. Are you, though? Are you? I I watched it once, and I thought the first half was uninteresting. What? Because I knew that history, but the second half was incredibly interesting because I had no idea about that part of the history. Okay. Kat, have you seen it? Are you into it?
0: I I have not seen it now.
2: Oh,
1: this hurts me.
3: <laughs> hey,
1: if hey if you're showing up to a party where two people are doing Hamilton inspired costumes, you should watch it before you go to the party, so you can get the yeah. Rest, the other yeah, uh,
2: another two people are going as the two witches from the Wicked musical.
1: That I won't watch. Wow, so you have to go watch the friends, Wicked dude. musical. <laughs> uh, yes, I guess I'm one of those too. I'm obsessed with Hamilton, so. I'll. We'll just leave that there. I could, talk, I could give you a whole episode. I won't do that to you, though. Hamilton, though. It's so... Sorry.
2: <laughs> no, but, but you will. I'm no, upsetting. no. We cannot go down this rabbit hole because it, everyone I know does this. You mention Hamilton, and then it's like, well, we're going to listen to at least these three songs because we have to.
0: See, I just hate musicals. I don't hate musicals. I like musicals I a lot, them.
2: but I didn't... My first exposure to Hamilton was, hey, we're driving to go fishing. Why don't we listen to the soundtrack? Mm. It is way better associated with the visual element yeah. of the movie yeah. instead of just diving into listening to the soundtrack.
1: I don't think I could do that. I, I agree, Kat. You should watch it on Disney Plus before you listen to the soundtrack because the, the film will hook you. I disagree with Torna. I think Act 1 has a lot more energy. Well, I mean, it's a lot happier. Because, spoiler alert, they win the revolution.
2: (laughs) Hey, I haven't got to that part of history yet. But it has has so much hype
1: and energy. It's so fun. And then act two is a lot more uh, political stuff, like the election of 1800 and uh, some family drama. Uh, I say drama, like death and stuff um, that's really, really sad. And So act two is very sobering. It's like, oof, these dudes were messed up and they fought a lot, huh? Because you, I mean, act one gives you a lot of just like these guys were doing the Lord's work in creating I mean, new...
2: dancing and joking and high fives yeah. and butt slaps. It's very good, but so watch the show. It's like the Dodgers game. On Disney weekend. Plus
1: Cat and then get obsessed with the music and then do what my wife and I do and we go on <laughs> dates now where we just, we go- get a bite to eat and then we drive around our beautiful city of ours and we listen to the instrumental version that allows us to karaoke sing the entire soundtrack oh over it
0: <laughs> you guys are made for each other That's...
1: <laughs> it's so good we met beautiful we met doing the the musical in high school when i was a freshman so musicals are special oh, well, to there us you go. it's very good what are we even talking Halloween? We got to Hamilton. Is there a third <laughs> yes, H exactly. here? third H. <laughs> Rolling? Well, of, okay, rule of threes. so
2: just randomly. Well, there's you know, there's a lot happening. We've got uh Dodgers just won the World Series. Yes. Ooh. Thank you. That's big news. Halloween's coming up, that's pretty spooky. Mm-hmm. Listening to Hamilton soundtrack, it's pretty spooky.
0: Spookiest of all.
2: Is the election.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh.
1: election chat (laughs) welcome to our podcast (laughs) within a podcast that's all about election predictions we're each we're gonna round table and say who we voted for one at a time every office (laughs) 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 i knew that was gonna freak cat out that's oh sorry yeah (laughs) <laughs> but,
2: but we are going to round table a little bit here we want to talk about the election tonight we want all of you guys to engage in this and we want this to be a fun and exciting thing to talk about if you like what you're hearing the best way to tell us about it would be on apple podcasts or on facebook.com slash pod for android users There you can leave us a five-star rating and a one- or two-sentence review to help others find the show. Thank you to Reagan James for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. I think so many people are dreading this. So many people are physically, like, destroying themselves because of this election, currently. And I don't think that that uh, is the route that anyone should be taking. So I want to talk about kind of uh, what's going on around the election. I would love to hear predictions on what you think might happen. And then I want to talk about some cool potential voting uh, alternatives. That is, how could we potentially elect officials down the road in different ways? And Henning kind of sparked that conversation topic by sending us a very, very intriguing little podcast, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. So I just want to start with just uh, some predictions here for fun. I mean, what do you guys, what do you guys really think is going to end up happening? Take it away, cat. <laughs>
0: <gonna just> <laughs> well, I was just going to the... say, I will not make any predictions <laughs> okay. about the outcome, but <clears throat> I think it's obvious to most people who are paying attention to uh, just sort of the lead up to this election that. We are likely not going to know who the winner is on election night, and we probably won't know for several days after. And there's a very good chance, if it's close enough, that the decision is going to be made in the courts. Yeah, that's just kind of a reality that we're facing. And I think there's a misconception about why we're in that position. Mm-hmm. And I think, would you like me to elaborate on why I think we're I, I would. I <laughs> in would that love position? that.
2: I, I would like to. I think everyone would. Like an explanation.
0: Yes. I think that there's a misconception about why we are in the position that we're in where the president might be chosen through litigation in the courts. And I, you know, this has been reported on in certain outlets and not in others, but progressive lobbying groups have pushed. They've used their lobbying power to push state courts to fudge the rules in the various states. Which will basically ensure chaos, what they've done is they've they've pushed the courts to to basically override the election rules in various states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Arizona, and others, allowing for votes to be counted well past the election date, in some cases three days in some cases up to like six days or more. Um, In some instances, ballots don't even have to be postmarked on Election Day. In some instances, they were sort of pushing for signature verification to be not required. Um, And there are then Republican activist groups that are pushing back on this stuff. And some of it's been pushed all the way to the Supreme Court already. And unfortunately, the Supreme Court has not been entirely consistent in their ruling on these cases in North Carolina and Pennsylvania. Those two cases, they basically said the changes to the voting rules can stand. And then in Wisconsin, they was they made a distinction there and they did not allow those changes to stand. But ultimately, I think what's happening here is we've sort of the seeds have been planted for chaos. To ensue, it's going to make it very hard to know credibly who won. It's going to definitely impair people's sort of trust in the process, and and I think we've set ourselves up for a situation where both candidates claim that they won. There's already a narrative that's been sown throughout sort of the the discourse on this election that that Trump won't accept the results. But I think we've created a situation where the results are going to be murky and it might be reasonable for him to not accept the results um, because he won't trust them. His supporters won't trust them and the other side will you know, claim that he's a tyrant and he's not leaving and this is what we were predicting. Meanwhile, they've sort of sown the seeds for this situation to play out. The American people are the ones who are going to suffer the most. Basically, whether Trump ends up winning or Biden ends up winning, we're going to be in another situation where we're entering a presidency where nobody where it's deemed by a large populace to not a large portion of the population to not be legitimate. And essentially setting up that presidency for failure, whether it's Biden or Trump. Um, So we've we've made a big mess. And uh, I shouldn't say we (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we have not we're just going to suffer the consequences of it yeah i don't mean to be doom and gloom but i think that that's a reality that's really important and um it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out
2: right i think that's a very accurate assessment and just some of what i've seen this week that is going to piggyback a little bit off of this is going into kind of the idea that a lot of what's going on right now with Questions about the mail in voting, its legitimacy, uh, as far as the extension period it might take to tally votes, how states are doing things differently. There's a lot of evidence starting to come out that's really suggesting that there's no innocent party in this fiasco. The Democratic Party has been very adamant on saying that the Republicans and Trump are completely against democracy, they're un American. They're doing this on purpose. Likewise, the Republican Party is doing the exact same thing uh, in response to the Democratic Party saying, well, they're un American. They're doing this because it's going to lead to voter fraud, yada, yada, yada. What we're finding is that there is actually a lot of voter fraud going on right now. We've got stories of recently like a mailman that dumped over 100 ballots Which, the motivation seemed to have been legitimately incompetence and laziness. Like, he he had too much mail that he didn't want to deliver. So he tossed a bag, and it just happened to have 100 ballots in it. Okay, but that's still influencing the election. Just recently, Project Veritas came out with a story, which a lot of people hate Project Veritas. Whatever. I'm going to link the story. I think it's worth a read. They recently found out with undercover footage, which is what they're known for, uh, about a woman who ha- has managed to individually swing 7,000 votes. She was helping elderly people vote and was basically manipulating them and persuading them to vote a certain way.
0: Are you referring to what was happening in Minneapolis? This is in Texas. In... This oh, just came out okay. a couple days
2: ago. Got it. 7,000 votes were swung by a single woman. Wow. And she was paid by a Republican candidate, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then in Minneapolis, there was a same thing going on, but with Democrats, so you have to be really careful when you're pointing the finger and blaming one political side for engaging in suspect behavior uh, like I said, there are no innocent parties in this, and so there is good reason for Trump to question it uh just recently, actually yesterday, the young Turks had a uh a new segment on the democracy and what's going on with voting. I'm going to link this story as well. It's about a 45 minute listen. There's really only value in the first 20 minutes, I think. Then they kind of go on their normal trajectory of just spewing hatred, which I don't really appreciate. But I would say the first 20 minutes, they actually make some pretty good points. They bring up some valid questions and concerns concerning Trump questioning legitimacy. And they bring up the issue that he recently said that we should end the election on election day, and they were they were kind of questioning well why why shouldn't we wait and allow votes to be tallied that have been stamped before the election and that's a fair question, I think I think that's a question that should be explored. Maybe we should wait until all of the the legitimate votes are tallied. The counter argument would be just ending the election on election night if especially if Trump doesn't win the election he doesn't have any excuse right mm. well he said well let's let's end the tallies here it's a pretty i mean you could use that against him i suppose as kind of uh, motivation to say well you said let's not tally any more votes so it doesn't matter
1: yeah how many uh, times does that stick to him though <laughs> That well, never I don't that, know. that kind of maneuvering never sticks to him he'll say something one week somebody points out that he said it and he's like that's not what i think today that's right. not what I meant yeah. about today. Right. He's pretty so. good
2: at pulling the, the matrix move there where he's bending backwards and dodging bullets. Yeah.
0: And I think, too, um, Democrats largely would go for that because, I mean, their strategy has been to push for this stuff because polling shows that a majority of Democrats are planning to vote by mail, Correct. whereas a majority of Republicans are planning to vote on election night. So on election night, when we're counting those first, tallying those first votes, it might look like Trump won. Right. And then as these other, as more ballots are counted over the next, you know, however many days it could change and I'll let you continue, but I was just one thought.
1: Yeah. Is it, is it Florida that's being praised across the country as like, yeah, they're getting mail in ballots already and they're counting them now. Is it Florida that's doing that?
0: I'm not sure if it's Florida. There's
1: one state, but there's one state that's counting them as they come in. And honestly, I'm like, why aren't we all doing that? It That seems like such a useful solution.
0: Well, see, well, so there's different election laws in different states, and most states don't allow that. Most states don't allow you to start okay. counting until. Interesting. Because cause think, if you, if you started to count and like you realized your side was advance. losing, right. you could employ all sorts of tactics to ensure that you get more, the, more of the votes that you need.
3: Mm-hmm. Same,
0: and that's the same tactic that can be employed when you can still keep voting after election gotcha. day. In some of these states where they're not even, the, the vote the. Ballots don't have to be postmarked on Election Day. That's a problem. And the point I was just going to make is that if there's a moving target and the target's different across every state, it's going to be really hard to come up with an honest number that yeah we can have a consensus on.
2: Right, exactly. And as far as the concern with both sides, I think it's a very valid concern in addition, because if you look at the last election with Trump winning... I think it was an Economist article uh, was saying that it's pretty well considered that something like 84,000 swing votes was what ended up letting uh, Trump win the 2016 election. And so if you look at a single woman being able to swing 7,000 votes, if a dozen people managed to pull that off across the country, that's enough voter fraud to swing an election one way or the other, Mm -hmm. depending on which side is doing it. And you you see, you know, Biden now winning states that Trump won last election and Trump probably going to win states that he didn't win last election. And uh, Ben Shapiro just tweeted the other day that with the states that are flip flopping from last election, he thinks there's a good chance that they could actually both end with 269 electoral votes as a tie, which would be (laughs) (laughs) insane. I don't even know. I I I don't even know what how that what happens. Goes to the house.
0: There's some scenario though where the vice president can call it. <laughs> Truly. I'm forgetting what the there's a few sort of strange hurdles and missteps that get you there. Mm-hmm. Um do we want Nancy Pelosi choosing? I don't know.
2: I uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. And I've even seen some polls recently, the last couple of days, where they're thinking that now. With vote mail-in voting, it could bolster Trump by like you know two two points or something like that, which is huge. And so to say that there's not motivation for him to wait to tally votes, I think is becoming more evidently false. That mm. it actually could really bolster him to to tally the mail-in vote voting. It's just it's very interesting. And then then you have weird interference with these tech tycoons you have twitter i think just two days ago uh eric holder who was obama's um attorney general he tweeted hey in our state you can no longer mail in your ballot and have it arrive in time to be counted so please go safely drop off your ballot in person twitter put a warning over it and censored it saying that it was misinformation about the election
0: Which is ridiculous because that's, I mean, that's been the concern that the Postal Service has actually been sharing from the beginning, that it's not a matter of them not being able to handle the capacity. It's a matter of the fact that some of these, some states allow you to mail in your vote Mm -hmm. up until like the day of the election. And if you're doing that, there's not enough turnaround time to have it received. I mean, that to me would have been a more practical solution would be to move up the time frame rather than pushing it back. But that's not what happened.
2: And so it's just this weird debacle. Like you're saying, there's no consistency. People are getting different information. There was tons of infographics being shared like a month ago. And it was like, here is the date in all of these different you know, in all fifty states, here's the date that you need to have your ballot stamped by if you're gonna mail it. And some of them were wild. Like how long before the election they needed to be stamped. And so you 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 know, you have The officials of the country saying, well, we don't think that everyone should just vote normally, which I think is hogwash. They're they're letting other people do a lot of other things. I think you can probably go vote safely and then implement some extra precautions for those that need it.
0: Anthony Fauci even said
2: exactly Well, and
0: <laughs> the untouchable Fauci said that there's, if you if you practice the same measures that you're practicing when you go to the grocery store or the pharmacy mm-hmm. there's no reason why it wouldn't be
2: safe no one wants to listen to that the same see again I, I hate to have to do this but the same left that praises everything that Fauci says doesn't want to listen to him on that piece of advice the inconsistency is dangerous and Only to us, the voter. It's true. It's not fair. It's disenfranchising people from being able to vote in so many ways.
0: Yes, it is. (laughs) And and we
2: should be trying to find ways to empower people to be able to vote because I think that's great. And I think no matter who you're voting for, you should, if you want to, go out and vote. Like it should be easier to get a legitimate vote from a citizen of the United States.
0: Well, that's why I raised the point about sort of sowing chaos, I think. Right. I think not the American people have pushed for this, but they've been led to believe that there's one route that's safer than the other. But then that route has been consistently undermined by the same people that encourage everyone to take that route. Frankly, I think it's intentional.
2: Right. I agree with that. I 100% think that it's intentional right now.
0: Yeah. So we'll. I don't know. Henning, well, have fun for a couple of weeks. Do you have any
2: thoughts on what we're uh, we're chatting about?
1: I think human beings are bad at voting. <laughs> I think, I think the our uh, our prediction mechanisms at who could most accurately and uh, passionately defend our liberties or at least our our interests on a federal stage. I think our prediction mechanisms for putting the right people in place for that kind of leadership is just very seriously flawed. I really I, <laughs> I really I really don't have any thoughts on on the on the mail-in versus uh, versus go in person or or the dates. I guess there've been a couple times where you guys like raised a question in my head and then you so successfully answered it without me interrupting you that I was like, "Oh, okay." Cool. That makes sense. <laughs> so good, good job. Well, you are both good. Is very, good. very well. Well, that's what I like yeah. to hear. I just, I don't, I don't know. I just, we're just not very good at voting. I don't think. I, there are so many, uh, I mean, this comes down to what we've already been talking about. There are so many different ways of applying what we believe and what we view to be true and, and the facts that are available or presented in negative ways versus positive ways I get the fact that if you get enough people voting that maybe you can sort out the crazies and then like an actual, not consensus, but at least, you know, it's quite literally just like majority voting makes sense to me. I'm rambling though. I don't, I don't know if I've said anything of substance. Unlike you guys, you guys have very much offered good things to think about. I'll
0: just say one thing on the, you know, turn I think it's great that, well, let me back up. I agree that i think voting's empowering and it's we have a responsibility i think as citizens to vote and to make our voices heard and to have a say in the direction of our mm-hmm. country however i cannot stand the messaging around get out the vote
1: oh no i
0: because if you aren't actually seriously paying attention to what's going on and digging in a little bit and you're just voting by like based on what your instagram yeah. says Please, dear God, don't
1: yeah, vote. <laughs> like, yeah, I totally agree. I,
0: I want an opposite and, campaign. And usually, like, the
1: voices don't
0: actually maybe don't get out yeah. the vote.
1: And usually, the voices screaming it loud enough are always the party that wants to take power next. Like right, well, and we right now, that, right?
2: that is the the absolute minority, which is about six percent of progressive liberals and six percent of far right. The people that are making the more the most noise, and I think sowing the most chaos are such a minute amount of people i think the most recent polling that looked into anything like this it's like over 40 percent of the country considers himself like an independent hmm. which is kind of crazy it's true yeah right and those people are smart people hard-working people that are motivated in other aspects of their life They've got so much going on. They're putting all of their effort into, like we were talking about last week, like their community, things like that. And they don't have time to blast social media with all of this. Mm. I, I would consider on either side, right or left, it's all some form of propaganda. Totally. And it's it's kind of wild. And yeah, I hate that every time someone, I mean, and it's crazy too. It's got to be something in like the Instagram algorithm, for example. Someone will have a sticker like a picture with their I voted sticker and they're like, I voted, yay. And then Instagram on anything that has to do with the election says, click here to get, you know, yeah. the most accurate updates yeah. on the election. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that and I just I have my holy water and my cross. <laughs> I'm like, no, get away. Get behind me, Satan. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want Facebook. I don't want Twitter. I don't want YouTube. I don't I don't want them telling me what's going on. It's kind of scary. And it's true. For four years, two years, but no one, you know, it's the presidential election where everyone gets crazy. Every election cycle, everyone is silent, 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 silent. And then boom, everyone is in your face. Go out and vote. Go out and vote. You have to vote. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool it. But I saw a tweet the other day. I thought it was great. And there's a lot of validity to it. If you come from the perspective of a more libertarian minded individual. And uh, this guy, Rick, I don't know if I should tag his, his page, whatever. His name's Rick. He said, if we were encouraged to take personal responsibility as much as we're encouraged to vote, we'd probably realize how little it matters who the president is.
1: Thank, Thank you. Amen. Thank you for that. And this that's, gift, I think, Rick. a very good. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> also, that is like, I, I heard on a podcast episode today Jordan Peterson say that exact sentence. Like oh yeah dude. okay, that might be a Jordan
2: Petersonism. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I I can attribute it there just because I heard it, and uh, my brain was like, "Hey, you heard that today?" But I mean, yeah, I, the the message of personal responsibility to me is so much more important than who's who's the demagogue we're gonna put in the throne
2: next. So I want to really stress that this is not something that an individual should dwell on. I I hate to see mm. anyone become distressed over this. And so instead of spending the whole night talking about potential outcomes and what's going to happen if one person is elected over the other, I actually would really like to steer the conversation in a direction of let's talk about some of these potential alternatives of electing people later down the road. I would love to piggyback off of the lottery method of election, which we'll discuss Um, And then once we discuss it, I want to piggyback off that and talk about kind of maybe fostering that personal responsibility is the way to allow us to have more qualified individuals that are running for election. The problem is right now, Biden is not a good option. Trump is not a good option. They are not individuals of character. And to say that one has more character than the other i think is disingenuous so i would like to see a system that allows the more um outstanding individuals to be motivated to run for office and it's true so many people that i admire when they're asked would you run for office it is no i don't want to run for office most people think that to run for an office as high as the president you must sacrifice some of your values to get there. And I think that's an accurate statement as far as who you need to be in the pockets of and so on and so forth. You always have to compromise something to get an edge. Let's, let's dive into some more uplifting alternatives. Like let's, instead of worrying about what's to come, let's, let's be stoked on what, what's to come, changing the system. So, Henning, I listened to the podcast that you sent me. Are you confident or interested in kind of giving us a little breakdown of it? And then, and then maybe we can have a discussion. Yeah, off that? Here we go. I'll give
1: a few minutes here. So the podcast episode we're all referencing is called the Powerball revolution. It's from Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history, season
2: five, episode three.
1: And in it,
2: That'll be linked in the podcast notes Ooh. for anyone. Yeah, I have, I
1: have a bunch of extra links for you too. I'll send them over. But uh, so here in this podcast, he presents the ideas of uh, a man called Adam Cronkrite, and he runs democracyandpractice.org. dot org. And what he's done is he's he's been practicing different ways of implementing democracy in student government. It first started in Bolivia, actually, where they launched it among some... Oh, I don't even know what the, the education system there is. It's, it's like middle school to high school age school systems where they've launched it. And it is quite literally a lottery system. And in it, Gladwell lays out some of the benefits he sees and he calls the, uh, the three laws of Cronkite. <laughs> Law one <laughs> was that the lottery encourages participation because we start to see people putting their, hat, their, their name in the literal hat who are running four things and they and a lot more people get to bring a lot more diversity to the values represented of the names inside the hat, namely, we're not running against other people. I think this this system successfully in these school systems and and even in some u s colleges have been trying this out. That's kind of the focus of the revisionist history episode, but you don't use you you don't have to do stump speeches, you're not doing attack ads against your opponents, you're not trying to prove why you're better than someone your entire job while you're laying out your platform and saying, you know, if my name is picked, this is what I'm here for. This is the change I want to see or this is the kind of policy that I want to uh, encourage. So, number 2, this expands the range of governing and it expands along with the uh, the diversity of the group. So, If you think if the entire US population was in the hat to become president in a few days, what are the chances (laughs) that a woman actually becomes president? Pretty close to 50 50. Yeah. And don't we think that's actually, that actually might represent more of our country if, at least if we have the option or the choice of these kind of, of other people who wouldn't necessarily be good at playing the political game and, Winning the popularity contest based on how good your Twitter is or your campaign ads, anything
2: like this, right? Right. So I, I want to interrupt yeah. for just a moment and then please yeah. continue. Uh, that was a very good point that he made, that a lot of the kids that w- ended up getting elected for school positions, he would have never pegged as being a great leader. Right. They maybe weren't the most sociable. They didn't have kind of that aura. Yeah. That charisma. They weren't good speakers. Right. Being given responsibility and an opportunity, they really developed those skills and ended up becoming extraordinary. Leaders. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And in fact, those those kids were were specifically pointed out by teachers to this guy who was running the lottery election. And the teachers were saying, Oh, that's a dud kid. He never focuses on my class. He's not very good. His grades are pretty low. But as soon as his name was drawn, that voluntary responsibility that he accepted when he accepted his role in the student government, like it elevated him. His grades got better. He started engaging in class and he became like not necessarily the pop, like the most popular kid still, but he became a formidable individual in a group, you know?
2: And now where I'm skeptical about this idea is that it does seem very compelling that it's an excellent form for school. I think it would be a great, system for local government like city mm. planning mm-hmm. things like that. I think that would okay. be phenomenal. And then also it sounds amazing for for research grants. And I've got a whole spiel about grant money and how I think it's corrupt. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I think a, a lottery system for that would be phenomenal. But transisting to the highest, you know, seat in the country, you know, the basically the king of the United States, it seems like a big leap to go from school government to president. It absolutely States. does. But I, I have some ideas
1: on that front. So cool. I'm, my, I'll, I'll, no, go oh, ahead. Sorry, okay. Please.
0: <laughs> I was just going to jump in and say, my one question is one, how could you ensure that the person that the people in the pool of the lottery are actually qualified? Um, cause if it was just every like man woman above the age of 18 mm-hmm. in the United States, I would imagine there's a very good chance you're going to get someone who is not right. Well, so, so first of adept
1: all at this, first of all, in the, in the system that Gladwell lays out and narrates here, the only people whose name ended up in the hat were the ones that wanted to be there. So they were voluntarily putting their name in there, hoping for a chance to mm-hmm. win. And as, as far as I understand it, you know, the basic quali- qualifications were met essentially like, oh, you're, you're, you want to put your hat in for your eighth grade class president. Are you in eighth grade? You know, like verifying some basics. I think the system could be implemented such, you know, su- some qualifications we need, you know, like currently someone can't run for president unless they're 35 years of age in our country. Personally, mm-hmm. I, I Personally, I still that. think that's okay. I I think we we keep some age requirements. Maybe demonstrating activity in local and state government before you can put your hat or put your name in the hat for the presidency would also be a a decent a decent
2: qualification. Ensuring they have some exposure to what it is to be a member of of yeah government.
0: See. Yeah. I don't even know if that, if that kind of experience is as important to me. I think more just sort of like values, principles, core beliefs, education right. is important. Yeah. And I wonder, in a system like this, would you? I feel like they'd be less accountable to the. I people.
1: agree, but values, values those are not education, being chosen by those people. The other things you mentioned in that list, like how how many of those could you say that Trump or Biden possess now?
0: For sure, no, totally, so like we totally, and get like the and I think version
1: of of what we could have with true. a lottery,
0: but with the lottery, that's almost like you could end up getting, you could end up pulling a Trump, true. right? And right. then it's like, well, shit, <laughs> we're true.
2: stuck with this one,
0: right? Um, so uh,
2: I don't yeah. always like dealing in hypotheticals, but hypothetically, <laughs> what if Vermin Supreme put his name <laughs> in and he actually got upset elected?
1: of all upsets?
2: to anyone who does not know who vermin supreme is you should hop online and watch at least one of his campaign speeches speeches. (laughs) like what he promises i think he's ran every year since who knows how long ago and like one of his platforms is like everyone gets a pony (laughs) like he wears like a boot on his head he's crazy and he's
0: He's apparently a libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> that's his party Liber- affiliation. Oh, oh okay. But vermin love Perfect. supreme. Oh,
2: <laughs> he also, he also uh,
1: in his speeches, he he says he practices the religion of Pastafarian, which worships oh, the spaghetti right. god. It's, <laughs> yep. a, it's a pretty cl- <laughs> So he's just he's having a good time. He's <laughs> absolutely having a good time while also doing some like far side level satire, <laughs> just making fun of the whole yep. election process. <laughs> which might not be all that out of line. Anyway, so <laughs> real quick from this podcast.
0: Can I just say, yeah. really quick? So, can I just say, I, I just Googled him quickly, and the people also search for a result is Jesse Ventura, Nikki Haley, Joe Jorgensen, and Spike Cohen, which Whoa. I think is an interesting lineup. Whoa.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, anyways, Joe Jorgensen is fourth
1: on that list. <laughs> That's the funniest yeah. part. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah. Oof! She's Oof. on the ballot. Yeah, she's on the ballot. Yeah. Good job. Anyway, to wrap up, <laughs> uh, the notes for, I had from this podcast is uh, what what Gladwell calls the universal third law of this whole system is that nobody knows anything. Predicting a good leader is a flawed system, and thereby voters are just you know kind of what I said earlier, like voters are just lousy predictors of g- good leadership based on character or education or any of the other qualifications we say we could care about. We're not even getting into the realm of predicting good leadership when the conversation so often devolves into lesser of two evils language it's like okay then what are you even right. what are you what are we here for then <laughs> so that's a bummer so i have links for democracyandpractice.org, uh their twitter they did have a really really handy article inside in their website that i'll i'll put a link to the the article is entitled the revival of demarchy claros as a political technology and it kind of gives the history Mm -hmm. of how what's called sortition or the use of random selection to allocate political decision-making rights played a role in like ancient greece and actually quite a few founding fathers actually found that idea compelling and they argued for it for even putting the president in place ultimately the only thing that we can point to that already uses the sortition system in our current program is the selection of jurors in a trial, like that, that's pretty much okay. what we're suggesting. So even you, like, there are basic qualifications, cat, to be a juror, like to put you on the, put your name in the hat to be randomly drawn to represent.
0: I just got drawn. Yeah,
3: nice. I've
1: been drawn twice, and <laughs> yep. they've both been yep. canceled the night before. So definitely check, <laughs> <Lucky>. definitely <laughs> check, and see if it's canceled <laughs> the night or even the morning of. That's always nice. Um. I prayed a little harder yeah. that night. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the, the program has been called Demarchy, uh, which looks like a you push the two words together of democracy and anarchy uh, based on randomness. Some quotes I had out of this article that I found was interest thought was interesting. Payne, Thomas Paine, of Common Sense fame, was a strong advocate of Demarchy. He proposed that the delegations from each state to the Continental Con- Congress be selected by lot and that the Congress should select the president from the members of the chosen delegation. In the end, however, random selection Hmm. was only applied to the jury system. And then uh, Alexis de Tocqueville actually really liked the uh, idea here. I'll just read it real quick. The jury, the more, especially the civil jury serves to communicate the spirit of the judges to the minds of all the citizens. And this spirit with the habits, which attend it is the soundest preparation for free institutions. It invests each citizen with a kind of magistracy. It makes them all feel the duties which they are bound to discharge towards society and the part which they take in the government.
0: Well, even in the in the Thomas Paine and what Thomas Paine's outlined, Congress would still be elected by the people and then they'd have the ultimate decision. So somewhere in that process, there are individuals who are accountable to the -hmm. electorate directly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which...
0: So that sort of implies that that's needed. I at agree,
1: which, which is part of my idea for president. Like, what if what if each, oh boy, how would you want to do it? Each state puts up the person they think should be president, and then the lottery is among 50 people, or they do it tournament style, and it's like the, you whittle it down to half and then half again and half again. This is another mm-hmm.
2: option. I like the idea of an initial, you know, obviously basically scrapping any obvious mm-hmm. duds, Although again it depends who's doing that that checkpoint, right? You're going to have biasy there. So maybe I mean that that's this is that's tricky. That's true.
1: Uh, I think I think kind of based on my my values of, you know, pay attention to your local government first and then your state and then put a little energy into the federal. I think the closer the vote gets to a person who more represents just the way you live. I know that's not perfect even when you're choosing like a state governor or even a mayor of a city, but the closer your vote gets to Mm -hmm. a person that is in your proximity, I think your vote does carry more weight that way. And uh, I mean, there's obviously going to be a filtering effect based on, you know, the people voted to the presidential pool for the lottery They might play some political games to get there, something like that, but at least it gets it closer to home. You know, I think that's my problem is like I'd rather 50 states, the 50 states do their work to put up their one candidate to be put in the presidential lottery than a national convention govern who ends up, you know, based on political party. Uh, It just gets it a lot closer Mm -hmm. to the actual people who are doing the voting, it feels like.
0: If we instituted that system, but then also at the same time did away with executive orders, I'd be comfortable with it. (laughs)
3: Oh,
2: right. (laughs) You know, like if
0: they had less of an important role, then. And I
2: think there's (laughs) big value in that because my biggest concern is the issue with pure democracy or, you know, what the form of democracy we have. We have an electoral college and things like that. Which pure we democracy, which could end up right. Pure democracy is mob rule. Right. And that's why I, I think people who say we need to get rid of the electoral college don't truly understand the implications the, of that.
1: The, this is not the episode for it, so, but I think
2: we should get rid of it. Of, yep. of the electoral college.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I think it so clearly did not serve, serve its, its, its good purpose for the last, like it's, it's mm-hmm. supposed to represent more of a, a distilling down based on the population of every state and stuff. I need to do more studying about what you're calling pure democracy. Cause even then I think there are ways to, to, to check the system. Like
2: purely the most votes win. And I just want to real quick explain why I think that's wrong. And I'll use California as an example. If you have your highly populated communities in LA, uh, San Fran, San Diego, something like that. And their local governance is not doing their job properly. And they say, don't have electricity or they run out of water. (laughs) Okay, that is on them in a pure democracy, because that has the those communities have the most dense population. They could simply vote to take water away from rural communities and electricity away from rural communities. And those rural communities would have no chance of being represented. That's and that's a very rudimental understanding of what the electoral college is supposed to help with?
0: I, yeah, I think sort of the most basic understanding of what the electoral college is supposed to do is to prevent, like Henning's saying, simply the most populated mm-hmm. states, or excuse me, <laughs> what Torna was saying. He just winked at me. I was like, why are you <laughs> winking? Yeah. Um, what Torna just said, um, to prevent the most populated states from basically dominating and overruling the the opinions of smaller, less populated States.
1: I don't see how the electoral ch- college changes that. Like, I, I feel like my vote for president means total shit when I have three electoral votes in Montana, but there's like, I can't even name how many are in California, but it's like, California is the famous one for it's always blue. 35. Democrats always get it. There you go.
0: Well then like districts come into play. Right. and, that and i won't pretend to fully understand that but yeah. but voting districts come into play within each state and that's why like in mm. california both parties have fought ferociously sure, over that yeah. okay. um
2: i you know what i am actually really excited about this because truly i i think i could be swayed so i i think this is this is a conversation that we must have i think there's a lot of value in this because i've kind of always been always thought okay electoral college is a must Let's, let's explore some alternatives, potentially, and, and kind of talk about that. Um, I don't want to derail our previous conversation, though. Um, I want to steer back into that track, because I think we've got a few more valuable things to, to delve into. Do we have anything else that we want to add uh, as far as discussing this lottery system?
1: I like it. I like just a little bit of anarchy in the whole system, a little bit of randomness. It it just seems like it would alleviate so many problems. And honestly, if it's implemented correctly, it seems like it would help de-incentivize the collection of massive parties.
2: Yes, black holes of power.
0: I think, too, it could be an interesting experiment where I think one thing that from a libertarian perspective helps sort of slow the spread of centralized power is having at least a two-party system where the power sort of volleys back and forth between parties. And maybe with this lottery system, you'd end up having like a greater smattering of perspectives represented. And maybe that would just kind of (laughs) slow progress (laughs) in terms of what the federal government does. And that would probably be a good thing. (laughs)
2: <laughs> okay, so but right? this is as I mentioned earlier, this this lottery system is a good segue into uh, an, an another alternative idea about voting that I think is a bit more refined. I think it's a better. I think it's it it's more appropriate for something like a presidential election. There's some overlap as far as as the ideas are concerned. Before I go into what is called the dark horse duo, I wanted to real quick bring up uh, what is it called ranked voting. Yes. I think that's a very interesting way to do it. So instead of the Republican Party putting up a candidate and the Democratic Party putting up a candidate, and then I guess there's a libertarian candidate in there somewhere, you'd have something like 10 candidates. Maybe you could have you could have some very progressive, you could have a socialist, you could have a member of the DNC, you could have a, a Republican, Libertarian, whatever, 10 of them, and you Rank them on your ballot in order of 1 to 10, 1 being your most in favor of, 10 being your least in favor of. Then, when the votes are tallied, if one individual maybe had a huge percent, 60% of people said that he's the third option, the th- he could win the presidency. Because the way it's averaged out, that person had the biggest like weighting as far as his score. It's an interesting idea. Right. To get more candidates on the ballot and give more option to voters, potentially. And then I love the idea that maybe the guy that got the most average vote of four he's the fourth favorite of the most people. He actually is probably the most representative of the country as a whole. So I think it's a, a fairly interesting idea. I, I don't know how you would implement this, but. What I'm a bit more interested in is this dark horse duo. Uh, I believe it was Brett Weinstein that first introduced it. Uh, Brett Weinstein is an evolutionary biologist, a very brilliant man. Basically, he wants to see a two-system party that requires a center-left and a center-right duo that have to be empowered together. And I'm going to read really quick their little intro statement from their website. This is a website that I definitely encourage anyone to go check out, read their statement. They have a list of who they think would be good candidates based off of polling from people that are interested in their their project. But uh, off of ArticlesOfUnity.org, Unity 2020 empowers the American public to reclaim a divided country. A courageous, competent pair of patriots can lead this country in service of the people not beholden to any party, and not constrained by conflicts of vested interests. This team will build a future with a clear national vision, a wise plan, and, for the first time, full representation of every American. We have been scorched by the very parties meant to protect us from the flames of injustice. Self-serving interest groups have burned every member of our society, whether for their color or conviction. We cannot burn the system, we must heal it, and save ourselves and they go into more detail about what they're looking for but i really like this idea because of essentially trying to force parties to cooperate if you have two rulers elected leaders of our country that have somewhat opposing visions and you put them in a room and they can't leave until they hash something out i think there's value in that now How you decide who is eligible to be elected is where I think all of these ideas are the most confounding to me. And it seems like that's the case for you, Kat. Like, okay, who do you give the power to select these people? How do you select these people? Can that be trusted? What if someone incompetent gets through? If something like this turns south and there's manipulation and corruption so will that affect future implementation of this idea? And I think those are valid questions, but they're questions that we have in our current system, as yeah. far as legitimacy and the candidates that are running. So competency, so corruption. exactly. <laughs> so my biggest qualm with this is who selects qualified people, and you know how do you define center left, center right?
0: How do you ensure that they are, in fact, those things? Right. right?
2: Now, this goes back to a bit a minute ago when Henning was saying the third rule is that we don't know anything and we're bad judges of character. I would disagree with that. I think there are ways to just look at a person, at the way they live the life, the things that they have achieved Uh, in the political sense, things they have voted for, things that they're vocal about. Those are, I think, valuable and accurate predictions of character. And the thing is, with our current sitting president and Joe Biden, the history isn't there. People can be upset at Trump and his character. (laughs) Very fair. But you can't look at Biden and say his 47 years in office, there's any history of him having character. So we need to look at the history books, metaphorically, not literally history books. But uh, I like it. And so This Dark Horse duo, they have three criteria, and it's they must be patriotic, they must be highly capable, which is vague, I realize that, and they must be courageous. And the idea is to disempower the partisan system that we have now. We we are allowing for parties to gain massive amounts of party, whether it be legitimately or through manipulation. That should be a concern.
0: I don't know if these systems, though for selecting new people or just ensuring that there's two with slightly different views Mm -hmm. gets at the root of the problem. I think the incentives that they face is a huge, that's really what's most corrupting. And the fact that, I don't don't know what would be a fair percentage to guess, but maybe 40% of a politician's time throughout their career is spent campaigning for the next election term limits, um right and so i mean changing that incentive structure i think would be actually probably pretty powerful and then the counter argument to that is well then you constantly have new people and perhaps are not that experienced and we won't get as much done from my perspective that's fine (laughs) right but yeah i think i think that's kind of um that gets to the root of what's really corrupting
2: True. And there is massive benefit to trying to create a system that allows for people to run with less of a need to fundraise. That, that is a huge problem. Mm-hmm. You have Biden who just God only knows how he gets money, right? Everyone's funneling money into the DNC. Everyone's funneling money into uh, the Republican Party. So you have Democrats and Republicans. Everyone's just funneling money into both parties.
0: And then you're beholden to special interests, right? Exactly. That's a big.
2: So stripping that away, I think, would be huge in any sort of system like this. It would be nice to be able to see people that were fairly likable or successful in their campaigning, even though they obviously didn't become candidates. Uh, One of the people that they suggest would be a good one of the good characters would be uh, Andrew Yang is someone that they they brought forth which I would disagree with in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. But if he was paired with someone else that had a bit of a different perspective, that might work. There might be balance in there. You know, he didn't have the fundraising in the last election, even though he had some popularity. And another example who's on this list is Tulsi Gabbard, who I love.
0: Match with Dan Crenshaw. Yes. I actually like Tulsi that. Tulsi Gabbard, I like that duo. Dan <laughs> Crenshaw.
2: Incredible. So that was one of their, their mm-hmm. suggestions. They said, well, you think this would be a, a pretty strong duo? I think uh, initially they wanted to do Andrew Yang and Admiral William McRaven. And he's some ridiculously decorated Navy admiral. And the idea is, okay, Andrew Yang is fairly progressive. He's pretty smart, I guess. And then paired with a man that's obviously incredibly courageous and clearly knows how to make decisions. And so maybe there's balance in that. I love the Tulsi... Uh, Dan Crenshaw combo. I think a Tulsi like Rand Paul would be awesome. Have a younger and an older person, fairly moderate people in general. I think another one on the list was maybe like a Jocko Willinks, which would be incredible, but he's he would never said more than once he'll never run for president, which is a bummer.
1: I think he's more valuable so where he is. I, I just, he doesn't need to be in office.
2: Well, fair. <laughs> well, exactly. And, that, and that's just it. A lot of these people... Are you know offering value in so many other aspects, yeah, I think that's uh another potential option i think it's all these ideas are things that are worth delving into. look into them, chew on them, talk to your neighbor about it there's there's value in in hashing this stuff out it's not easy to implement things like this, but we are the people that are going to do it if it's going to happen, so maybe form an opinion on it
0: I think too speaking to getting at getting at the problem of of people not being good at judging the character of politicians or getting sort of hoodwinked into thinking they're voting for something and then, you know, this monster appears (laughs) after election day. Part of the problem there is media bias, like we've talked about in our other episodes. And when you have media outlets on both the right and the left, obviously there's more on the left, but on the right and the left that intentionally insulate and shield and cover for politicians, it's virtually impossible for your average citizen to be able to get a good assessment of who these people are, you know, without doing extensive digging into, you know, congressional records of how they voted and, you know, whatever. So I think like media bias is one hurdle that needs to be overcome. I think the changing the incentive structure that politicians face is another hurdle that could sort of lead them to focus on things other than simply raising money and getting reelected but of course (laughs) those are very big hurdles (laughs) at least the media bias is a very very big hurdle but Uh, this discussion sort of leads us to maybe conclude that there are options out there right there are different avenues we can take but it's going to take a lot of hard work to get there
2: right and i think one of the biggest things if i can close this up this evening do you have do you have any last thoughts henning abolish the
1: 12th amendment i think the vice president should be chosen a different way i'm just kidding i don't know i have no idea i like i like the <laughs> choice voting i like, I was like oh, okay. let's build dark horse pairs using rank choice and then put two pairs up and then just draw straws i think we do all of them <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that sounds yeah i mean yeah. you guys there, you guys have could- such like
0: <laughs> no, but you know what? After where we've been for the last... I mean, for Christ's sake... Just sakes, do
1: something again, else. Again, something
3: do something different. the lesser
0: of two evils. Yeah. yeah. I mean, something has to be done. I mean, really, the way I think you get to these alternative options that we're discussing is dismantling the power of now, both me, parties. Let they me pitch this. Entrenched. What if we just dismantle
1: everything? And left coast is a country, right coast is a country, middle America is a country... <laughs> And it all gets a lot smaller, you know and it all gets the Montana a lot stays as it is. It's
0: you know when all of these, oh God, what was it? They the Chaz,
2: mm-hmm. oh, the Chaz. <laughs> or Chop, yeah. depending on it was, which it was. Chop. Which always era, chop, forever Chop in my heart.
0: Chaz, it was Chaz, and then Chop. But when these autonomous yeah. zones were popping up honestly i was like you
2: know what it's an experiment go for
0: it let's have a great experiment let's have a beautiful experiment and
2: and the experiment went exactly as i thought within one day they're like (laughs) holy moly we don't know how to farm yeah we just told the the uh we just told the united States of america that we don't want to be citizens anymore um here's a list of what we need we need cigarettes we need (laughs) men's pants i like how we need gatorade (laughs)
0: I like how the first thing they did was institute basically a police force, Mm -hmm. (laughs) institute security and borders. (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. But but that's like right on. Let's have the experiment, and then like then people can really choose. They can vote with their feet and Mm -hmm. go to the communities that they want to be in. I mean that's already happening. There's a mass exodus out of major cities that have just been governed into the ground and that will continue hey if people want to sort of accelerate that process and annex and, themselves and look i'm not have we a don't chop, need
1: a civil war to do it we could do it. it in a civil <laughs> <laughs> we could do it civilly and we could just be like <laughs> california yeah, we don't want to yeah just, yeah exactly. go go do your thing <laughs> god it's sad it's so sad <laughs> maybe cat you would it get is, do it a is a because you're born in california
0: Yeah. (laughs) I was born there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That would be awesome. It's in the paperwork. Well,
2: okay. Well, before we go tonight, then I want everyone listening to have an awesome Halloween, have a fun night, enjoy it. Don't get too worked up about the election coming. I think it's really important if we want to pursue some of these alternative ideas to start bridging that gap between these, you know, tribal parties. I think the best way that we can start to do that is maybe sit down with a cocktail instead of maybe pointing fingers and, and yelling at your neighbor, invite them over for a, for a drink. And maybe if we start hashing out some of these ideas and ignore what the media is telling you, your neighbor is like, and ignore what the politicians are telling you, your neighbors are like, you actually engage with them. And I think that you'll find you have a lot in common. And then let's start building off of of the things that we do have in common. Maybe stop listening to to the powers that be. Start pushing out our, our own unique solutions to the problems that we, we think we face.
0: Don't let them win by dividing us. And them can be whoever you want your boogeyman to be. <laughs>
2: exactly. I truly believe that we live in the most successful democracy that's ever been. We do. Let's not forget that and burn it all to the ground, let's let's heal it and work on building something instead of destroying something. I hope you all have a great, safe weekend. And to that, I think- Cheers. 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 Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on
1: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod.
0: And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
2: Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty.